Hey folks, we are having a live showcase to celebrate the upcoming first anniversary of Flawless Noises Media Network. We're bringing you some of your favorite hosts from the network for an intimate experience. We'll have an energy reading from Gary of Mystic Moments to kick things off. Bree of Mama Meets World will be the first act and headlining the show Ratchet Ramblings featuring Jeremy Candace and myself. So start planning to come and join us February 29th, 2020 at Rehearse Live in Atlanta, Georgia. Get your tickets at fnmn1year.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. You know, there's a part of me, a pretty big part of me that wishes we could just play music on our podcast without having to worry about any licensing or anything like that, because I definitely would have opened this episode with a Fantasia song featuring Ty Tribbett, maybe. I don't know gospel artists that well, but. It's from whatever album she had with the orange cover. I don't know things, but I think the song's called I Made It. And that would definitely be the way that I would open this final episode of 2019. I guess technically, depending on when you listen to this, the first episode of 2020, although it won't be released in 2020. However you want to look at it, but that's definitely how I would have opened this episode if I could. But here we are you guys are joining me for another episode and i'm very grateful for that i hope everyone had a fantastic christmas if you celebrate christmas if you don't i hope you enjoyed having the time off if you didn't have that then hopefully you got time and a half or double time whatever would have made you happy this Christmas slash holiday season. I hope you got that. We're looking forward to 2020. But before we do that, we're going to wrap up this awful year for me and pretty much a not so great decade also for me. You know, this, this is just how things go, I guess. What a decade, you know. So I'm going to run through some things and... I want to start off by saying that this is definitely not comprehensive. When I sat down and really thought about the things that have been pretty major for me in the past year and the past decade, the things that I'm going to talk about, the things that I listed were some of the first and major things that came to mind. So I'm going to be honest. I spent the majority of this decade depressed and in emotional and mental and I guess technically physical turmoil. There's a lot. When I say a lot, I mean caps, 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 a lot that I need to work through. But I'm starting to be comfortable with where I am and having a vision of where I want to go. But of course, the part that stresses me out that keeps me from what I feel reaching I don't want to say my full potential because I don't really know the scope of it I don't I can't wrap my head around that but just reaching the path towards things that I want in life things that I want to work on for myself it's been pretty difficult so I'm happy that I'm able to see some type of light in the tunnel because 
I don't think we're anywhere. Well, I hope I should say that I'm not nearing the end of the tunnel. Not quite yet. You know what I mean? Despite what my thoughts tell me when I am in a depressive low, I'm not quite ready. There's still things that I want to do in life, things that I want to experience and honestly, children that I want to see grow. So I would much rather get on that path of getting right than giving up. And so that's what I'm taking into 2020. I'm like that meme of homegirl leaving a bunch of shit behind and stepping up to new shit. Now, she's been climbing them steps for quite some time. She ought to have reached heaven by now. But that's that's not my business. What I am saying is I feel good about having identified what I want to leave behind in 2019 and what I want to take into 2020. So let's start off with some defining moments. And the decade, like I said, wasn't great for me personally, but there were some awesome things that happened this decade that I'm very happy for. So first, children. Uh, My godson, Jameson, was born in this decade. He was born in 2015. Very, very happy about that. If you know anything about me, you know that I love that little boy more than anything. He's my Gemini twin. You know, he was born a week after my birthday. So it just fits. And it's so funny seeing his mother interact with him and post things on the Internet and even just FaceTiming with them because... I can see similarities in our personalities and it's very, very crazy to see this little boy who looks different from me, but looks the same as me, who came from a mother that is a very dear friend of mine. Like, it's just crazy to see the culmination of all that. So I'm very, very happy about that. Also, in the same line, uh, my good friend Nikki, a.k.a. Texas Hummingbird, on Twitter, she had a daughter named Micah this decade, who also, I just, mm, she's such a beautiful little girl and so curious and so funny. But I'm not surprised, given who her parents are. And along with Micah, we have Avery from my friend Juanita, who is a trip. You know, I have to stand for Avery because in his youth, Avery is what, five? He stands Beyonce. So he's on the right path. His shout out to his mama. Um, And there have been other children, uh, Naomi, Anami, as um, Taylor calls her. Who else? Uh, The other Avery. Um, I know I'm missing some kids, but, you know, blame my head, not my heart, but If we're friends and you brought a child into this world in the past decade, I salute you and I'm happy. I love you and I love the children. Um, No shade, but I love that I don't have to babysit. (laughs) I mean, you know, it sucks not being able to see them when you want to or, you know, major holidays and stuff like that. Like you got to really plan to be able to visit places to see people. But I will say I am looking forward to the day in, you know, years to come when my goddaughter Jaden is old enough that she can come and visit, you know, wherever I happen to be living at the time. You know, eventually Jameson will be able to do the same. So I'm looking forward to that. How did I forget? Um, Little Miss London Ava, the daughter of my good friend Candace and her husband, Mike. 
London is one of the happiest and just naturally curious, but in a cute way, little girls that I have come across in quite some time. Like she just has this like this glow, this radiance, you know what I mean? And it's not like your typical toddler glow. I don't know. It's hard to describe. But, you know, when I first met London, she was like, who is this trash? <laughs> I don't no new friends. We don't do that. But this past Thanksgiving, when I went and stayed with Candace and her family, me and London were tight. You know what I'm saying? Like she was my little shadow. She followed me in the room. We both laying up in the bed on devices. She done fell asleep. It was all good. <laughs> Candace came in there like, so she just really came in here and went to sleep. I'm like, we chilling. Like what you even said? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like don't, don't mess up a good thing. So very, very, very happy and and feel with love about all of the beautiful children that my friends have brought into this world what else defining mo listen it would not be a decade if i did not mention the queen of my universe beyonce and defining moments because i don't really go to a lot of shows and concerts and things of that nature I make exceptions, obviously, for Beyonce. And I, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm going to start doing better with that in years to come. Hopefully, my bank account uh, cooperates because that's usually a barrier. You know, going to be honest about that. But um, I saw the Mrs. Carter World Tour. Now, I saw the second show in Houston. And that, <laughs> I feel like one of those drama masks where it's happy on one side and sad on the other because the mrs carter world tour was the first concert that i had been to in many 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 years mind you this was in 2013 so again i saw the second show and self-titled dropped like two to three days after i saw mrs carter so you can imagine how irritated i was because it was like i just went to this show she just released a new album meaning she's gonna be performing new music now that was a interesting time because she really picked and chose when she wanted to incorporate new stuff um if i remember correctly i think the european legs of the tours got a lot of the newer stuff it took a while for it to come to the states but then we had on the run that was an experience shout out to them big ass cans of uh strawberita definitely thought i was gonna overheat i felt like a volcano sitting in the crowd but it was all good you know i enjoyed the hell out of on the run and then we have Formation, which has been my favorite show of hers. My favorite, I don't know if I would say is the best. And that's not to say that it's bad, but I try not to conflate favorite with best, even though what you consider the best is completely subjective. But I went to see the Formation World Tour that year three times. Like, I just... I saw it in Houston when it first uh, came. I saw it in Baltimore with Bree and Juanita. And that was probably the best showing out of the three. 
Like, I don't know what was going on in Baltimore. And it was the day after my birthday. So it was just turn up, turn up, turn up season. Like that was an amazing show. We had such a good time. And it really does make a huge difference who you go to shows with, at least for me. Like it was a completely different experience going to see the Formation World Tour with Bree and with Juanita versus when I went to Mrs. Carter with uh someone else which i'll talk about that in a little bit but yes i really 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 enjoyed formation world tour you know i it lives in my memory as uh beyonce said because i really wish i could just pop it in and watch it anytime i want but we can't always get what we want although i don't know in my heart of hearts I'm hoping that somewhere down the line, 10 years from now, Beyonce will just be like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Here's a video anthology for 175 bucks with all of my concerts or some shit like that. And I'll have my money ready because those are the things that I want. And then we have On The Run 2. Now, I didn't think On The Run 2 was as good as On The Run, but I also enjoyed it for the parts of it where they incorporated everything is love like the theatrics of the performance of ape shit alone like we still looking at gifs and and videos and stuff like that floating on tumblr i even made a tweet about it that did a little bit of numbers i don't really know what the threshold of viral like how many you need but you know, I made a Thanksgiving tweet that did a few numbers. So I was like, okay, you know, the impact. So, yeah, you know, I have to be thankful for Beyonce in this decade because, you know, I've been standing Beyonce since, what, 95, 96? Like, early Destiny's Child before I think their first album even dropped. So, of course, I'm always happy to see the glow up. What else? Defining moments. Oh, so from 2019, I did have a pretty defining moment. That was when I did the King 5 News feature. Um, I've talked about that extensively and links and all that kind of stuff you can get to. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. I will say I'm very, very grateful again to king five for featuring me i'm even more grateful to ran j from the he said he said podcast here in seattle for even suggesting me and my podcast and i'm gonna put i'm gonna pat myself on the back and say that i'm i'm proud of myself for actually doing it for going through with it because i struggle with those types of things like especially with this is something that I never would have done or I don't think I would have done. You know, I would like to say that, yeah, this would, you know, another normal circumstance. I may have done it, but I know me and I have something to work through where, you know, I don't feel comfortable putting myself out there. So, it took a lot of soul searching and convincing for me to follow through with it. Ultimately, I think I just settled on it's already in the works and I don't want to disappoint my new friends and make them look crazy. So I got to do it. And then I did it and it wasn't that bad and it actually came out pretty good, I would say. 
especially for someone who's never been on camera and it was live. I didn't realize it was like live, live. So, you know, that threw me off. Like I'm on TV and then within minutes, my friends are sending me screenshots because they watched it on TV and I'm like, holy shit, I was just on TV. So that was definitely a defining moment. And I would say the last thing has been uh, travel. I haven't traveled extensively because if you've been following me long enough, which I mean, I guess you may or may not be able to tell. Or if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you know that unemployment has been an unfortunate roommate of mine over the last few years. I would say since 2016 has been off and on. And, you know, once you go a nice stretch unemployed, it just throws your finances completely off. And so it's been difficult to be able to travel the way that I used to. You know, I haven't been able to just go visit people like I used to. But I did do some traveling. So I traveled internationally for the first time. I went to Equatorial Guinea. And that is a country in West Africa that has part of it that's landlocked and then the other part where the capital is is an island um at the time there was still some civil unrest and so that was an experience but everything happened so fast that i did not take the time to do my research before i went so imagine my surprise when i get to <laughs> this african country and they speak spanish the stuff in the airport, like everything was in Spanish. And I was like, huh? But again, I didn't do my Googles because it was just like on a Wednesday. Hey, we're going to see such and such to Africa. And then after that meeting, my boss was like, well, I need you to go to for X, Y, Z reasons. And then by Friday, having everything booked. And then like that Saturday leaving, like it was very, very, very fast. Well, maybe not that fast because I did have to get my passport and everything, but it all just happened so fast that, you know, it was like I'm at work, but I have to work. And then by the time I get home, it's just so much going on that I didn't really take the time to do my research, maybe because I felt more comfortable because it was a work trip. But anyway, it was nice to get out of the country and see another part of the world. It was my first time flying business class. That was a nice experience, especially because it was like 17 hours of flying to get there. Um, my first time being in an airport in Europe because we had to go through Frankfurt to get there. It was just an experience that I'm happy about, you know, shout out to that job at the time for getting that for me. And then I had some more work travel. Um, I went to California for the first time. Shout out to Huntington Beach and that whole area. I went to Minneapolis for the first time for a few days. So that was nice. Um, and then I spent a lot of time going back and forth to Anchorage when I had one particular job. So it's just crazy because, you know, through these couple of jobs that I had, I was able to travel places that I don't think I normally would have ever gone. Like, I don't know if I've ever would have gotten to Africa, to be quite honest. I don't know if I ever would have gone to Alaska. But those are experiences from the decade that I can say, hey, I did that. So then I have to ask myself, what did you learn in this past year? 
and in this past decade. And I came up with a short list of things that I've learned or I've been made aware of that I'm going to take into the new year and the new decade with me. So the first thing is trust yourself. I have had a very difficult time trusting my my emotions and my memories and my reactions to things and just trusting myself overall to make sound decisions for myself and how I'm presenting myself to the world. Like it's I've struggled with that. So I'm on the path to learn to trust myself, trust my instincts more. Um, Listen to your body. That's been a big one for me. Um, I suffer from depression in a way that, well, I guess now I can say uh, bipolar depression or bipolar two because I've gotten that diagnosis this past year. And I mean, within the last few months, honestly, but I gain weight with my depression. And so, you know, seeing my weight balloon up in the past decade and not really understanding why until the past couple of years. And even with therapy, I still struggle because I'm already struggling with emotional eating and, you know, comfort food and things of that nature. Then I get in therapy and start uncovering all of this crazy stuff, which puts me in even more dire mental and emotional positions. And so, you know, now the emotional eating and the gluttony is probably a good word is tenfold you know what i'm saying so it's just like my mental health is up and down it's a yo-yo my weight is not a yo-yo it's just a steady increase you know and then all the other things that come with that so that's been something that i need to i need to really embrace is listening to my body because my body will tell me when I'm doing too much, you know what I mean? And it's led to certain things. And I've talked about it on the show before, you know, my first time in the hospital was because of my health, you know, with my weight and all of the things that come with that genetic and otherwise. But it's one of those things where it's like, if I had really been in tune with my body and listened to my body versus being trapped, listening to, thoughts that a lot of the time are not true then maybe I would be in a different position but you know it is what it is I talked about it already but trusting your instincts is something that I learned the hard way this past decade especially with people you know and I really had to learn to stop making excuses for people hoping that they would embrace the potential that I thought I saw in them. Um, and that goes in a lot of different directions. I'm talking about friends and otherwise, like really just taking the person at face value because that's all I really can do. And I save myself a lot of grief by doing that. 
Um, another lesson that I learned is to invest in yourself. And I didn't really learn this lesson properly, or I guess I'm still learning it, but it didn't come to mind until I started the podcast and I realized how much work goes into a hobby. You know what I mean? Like everybody's, well, I don't say everybody, but I know a lot of people are looking at podcasting as either a something fun to do or they're trying to get on from it. But I realized that you can't really do either of those in podcasting if you're not willing to invest in yourself. And I don't just mean financially. I mean, taking chances, taking risks, um, embracing your creativity, working on ideas, working them out. And then, you know, the financial aspects, specifically with podcasting, you know, you may have to invest in a distribution website to get your podcast out there, i.e. SoundCloud, uh, Pippa, things of that nature. I'm talking about equipment. I'm talking about maybe you need a laptop or investing in your own ingenuity to figure out how to do a podcast without having all of that stuff. You know, either way, it was really something that I learned that in order to have a successful hobby such as podcasting, it's something that you have to invest in. And it's not really the type of thing where you need to practice a lot like drawing or something like that. But you do need to be able to be critical of your own work. You know what I mean? And not just put stuff out there just to be putting stuff out there, but putting something out there that people gravitate towards that people like, and that's sustainable. It takes work. And I feel like that work is an investment in yourself because to me, whether or not I, and a lot of people that have podcasts in the same range as me, whether or not we ever get on and we get big or balloons into something else in like entertainment or something like that. I feel like the, the work ethic that comes with, doing a podcast successfully for a few years is something that you can take with you in the rest of your life. So, and maybe you already had it. Maybe you just honed it by doing a podcast, but speaking for myself, I realized that it is a huge investment in oneself to do something like this and do it for quite some time. You know, we're coming up on the third anniversary of this show. So I've definitely been doing something. Uh, more lessons, take chances. This is something that I'm still struggling with. You know, if you know me, you know, I'm a planner. I like to know things and have it laid out in advance. So it's difficult for me to take chances, but I'm learning to do better and to embrace some of the unknown so that, you know, I can have that opportunity to have something great where I otherwise may not have because I didn't want to take the chance, you know? And this is where I would put Celine Dion's taking chances. If I could play music on the show, shout out to her. Uh, give yourself grace. This is woo. Now I put this on here because this is definitely something that I've learned that I need and I need to learn how to do, but I'm not there yet. So we're going to put this in our, in our book bag and take this into 2020 in the new decade with us. And the last thing along the same line is for me, myself, I need to learn to be stern with myself in order to get things done. But I need to learn how to do it without being toxic because there's a big difference between 
me being like, okay, you need to get your fat ass up in the gym and you need to do this. And why are you like this versus, okay, you know what? There's some benefits to going to the gym. So let's do it. Let's see how we feel. Okay. You know, remember how we felt good after we left the gym and remember how good we felt a few years ago when we lost a little bit of weight and we're feeling ourselves a little bit like for me, there's, I need to learn how to be a better cheerleader for myself. Like I need to learn how to advocate for myself and be there for myself without tearing myself down. And it's difficult because, like I said before, you know, when you are battling depression, it will have you thinking your whole world is turned upside down. It will literally have you feeling like you don't have a friend in the world, like everybody would be better off. And it's not easy to fend off those feelings. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as easy as just changing your diet or or going to the gym and and getting endorphins going all that kind of stuff like I've done that and you know it it really for me was even worse to go to the gym and feel good for those few minutes and then go so deep like you on this you're riding this high after you work out or whatever the case may be and that makes the fall that much worse So that's something that I've struggled with, but I'm pledging to be better about being very stern with myself without being toxic. And really, I could just say, just learn to not be toxic towards myself to the best of my ability. So let's shift gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about some triumphs, some accomplishments and some lows. So I want to go out on a high note with this part of the show. So let's talk about the lows first. Um, I talked about it already, but depression was really been kicking my ass. And like I said, being diagnosed with bipolar two was a difficult pill to swallow. Like on the one hand, I was glad that my therapist saw that there was something more going on than just I won't say typical depression, but just depression. He realized, okay, no, there's something a little bit stronger, deeper than depression. And he referred me to a psychiatrist who's awesome. And she was like, yeah, so now I'm on, you know, mood stabilizer, seeing how that works. But there's still, it's a long road, but it's just difficult for, to say, okay, I'm depressed. I have depression. Like it took me a long time to even be able to admit that freely and openly without shame. And so now you throw it on the bipolar two, and then doing my research on that. And it was just a lot for me to handle at the time because I had other shit going on. Um, I had a relationship this decade that. Ooh, um, It was a learning experience. I will say that, you know, I learned things about myself that I didn't realize were there. But, you know, it was a. uh, am trying to pull the the silver lining on this because it was a failed relationship, a short relationship. You know, I, I really did put myself out there and it didn't work out. And that happens in life. But it was just 
it's hard to describe. It was it was something that was so short, but has had such a lasting effect on my life that, you know, it was just one of those things. Um, I talked about it already, but unemployment on and off since 2016 has been uh, difficult. Like I said, even having been in Seattle for a year, working consistently for a year, you know, I'm still struggling with my finances. Like it just, it takes a lot to be able to overcome unemployment for a significant amount of time. Even a few months can just throw you off. And then when you, you work to get back to a place where you're good. And then when you look and like, okay, now I need to start taking care of the stuff that has been piling up, mess around and lose your job again. So now you back in the hole and then further in the hole because everything just costs money to do. You know what I mean? Like even with the move up here, that costs money. So that was stressful. Like just the stress of unemployment has been very difficult for me. And that led to more financial pitfalls. You know, like I don't feel like I've hit total rock bottom. Like I haven't been homeless, but when I was unemployed for seven, eight months, I was literally at that point where it's like, I have no money. So, you know, I'm like, where am I going to stay? I got to give up my apartment. Am I going to have to give up my car? Like it was just a lot going on at the time, but you know, I happened to find a job. And so again, I was able to stay current, but everything that I had been neglecting all that time just keeps piling up, keep piling up, keep piling up. So it sucks. Uh, what else? I talked about the weight gain. That's been to me a low now that I'm looking back on it. Um, realizing that I'm not <laughs> that social. I guess I won't say realizing because I know I've never been like that person that likes to be in crowds, likes to go to parties and all that kind of stuff. But I realized that that's something that I don't have to accept. You know what I mean? Like, there are certain aspects of my personality that are always going to be there. Obviously, if it's negative, you know, it's something that I I strive to work on. But, you know, I realize I don't have to be a social butterfly in order to be successful in this life. You know, I would like to think that I'm marginally funny and I'm funny whether I'm interacting with a crowd of people or if I'm just interacting one on one with friends. So, that's been something that I've been trying to embrace, but realizing like, damn, I'm not really all, I, you know, I'm a little bit more socially inept than I thought. Like, damn, ooh, ooh, it's, it's, it can be a little difficult. Uh, let's see. This decade has really been peppered with dealing with the fallout and trauma from what went on with my parents back in 2008. So here we are going into 2020 and this is trauma that I'm still dealing with. You know what I mean? I want to say it was the read where they talked about parental trauma running deep and no lies were told because it runs deep and it's hard as hell to get from under. You know what I mean? Especially when you don't have or let me say this. Especially when you have parental trauma with parental units that are not doing anything to mend fences. Like, it's hard to accept that. But 
I'm hoping to have those breakthroughs in therapy. So, um, this decade also saw me walking away from a friend of 15 years. And I haven't really talked about this in depth on the podcast. So I'm going to do so, but know that it's, it's no shade. It's just me telling my story. But, um, my co-host that I started this podcast with, um, he and I are no longer friends. You know, that was the friendship that I walked away from. Um, I would, I went through this, I don't want to say journey, but this exercise of really being cognizant and assigning people in my life to different levels. You know what I mean? Like I had to realize that, okay, I can't call everybody a friend because, you know, I got people in my life that we cool, but they're not people that I can depend on when shit goes down. I'm like, these people are not people that I would call. So I'm like, I don't really need to be calling them a friend and that's no shade. Like, yeah, we can be acquaintances, but you know, friend is, is I take my friendships very seriously because I don't have those familial ties. So all I have are my friends, my friends become my family. So I'm very, very aware of those relationships. Anyway, long story short, you know, I (sighs) long story short, it was actually the podcast that kind of started sparking things between us because when I was doing this exercise, I had friends or people in my life that I was like, these are my friend friends. Like, I don't even need to analyze these relationships because these are my core. And he was a part of that. But the podcast revealed or reminded me of a lot of toxicity um, in our friendship. You know, there were events that were taking place that really had me questioning myself as a person and as a friend. And there were outside forces that he was being influenced by and it all kind of blew up. You know, we had a big falling out and we never recovered from that falling out. And during that is when I realized that unfortunately I felt like I had outgrown the friendship. You know, like I I felt like we had gotten to a point and we had been operating at a point for quite some time that was not beneficial to me. I wasn't getting anything out of the out of the friendship and I was putting more into it than I was getting out. Um, Then we had some financial issues after the fact, even though we weren't really speaking, you know, it was like if something important was going on, you know, it might be a text, but we weren't in a friendship at that point. Um, but something happened with money and that was really kind of the final straw that I was just like, you know what? I don't wish ill on you. Like I don't want you to suffer, but I can't do this anymore. And so I just, I walked away from the, I guess you could technically say I kind of ghosted him, but I mean, you know, over the course of the year. So the, the year between, episode 15 and whatever a year after that was we didn't really have a friendship so when the financial shit happened 
and I decided to walk away. I was like, I didn't really feel like I was ghosting because we already weren't communicating. But I guess technically we were communicating over the issue that I kind of walked away from. So I don't know. Maybe I ghosted. Maybe I was justified. I just know that that was something that was no longer serving me. And so I needed to get away from it. And I did. And it sucks having to walk away from a long friendship like that because I don't really have a lot of friendships that stand the test of time like I'm not one of those people that are blessed with friends from middle school and elementary school and shit like that you know what I'm saying like I've told the story multiple times my friend that I grew up with you know I told him I was gay he told me to kick rock so it's just like you know like that's kind of been the thing for you know, a good chunk of my adult life is just feeling like, you know, in some way or in some level, everybody's been like kick rocks, you know, and it's just been, it's been hard to deal with. Um, and the last low that I'm going to discuss, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I used to have a BMW, the BMW broke down in October. So, it took a month or maybe more like six weeks to figure all that out. At the end of the day, even with an extended warranty, I was completely screwed over and quickly to go through, you know, maybe somebody will hear this. Um, if you want to know the, sp the particulars of the issue I had with the BMW, you know, tweet me or DM me. In case you know somebody who has a BMW, um, I did the same thing with Nikki. I let her know, hey, be mindful of this if you have this kind of engine from these years, because the time and chain on my BMW broke, which ruined the engine. The extended warranty company, after dragging their feet for five weeks, finally decided we're going to send a new engine, but we're not going to cover all of the labor or parts. So they're saying it was a brand new $10,000 engine from BMW. But and and allegedly they're putting in twenty nine hundred, almost three thousand dollars. But in order to do everything, the labor parts of the labor that they weren't covering and a per, uh, chunk of the parts that they weren't covering it was going to cost me in excess of thirty five hundred dollars so you do the math you're saying a ten thousand dollar engine three thousand dollars from the extended warranty company and at least thirty five hundred from me probably would have been closer to four thousand if not over four thousand so we're talking about sixteen to seventeen thousand dollars to get this BMW back on the road. Mind you, it was only worth on a good day, maybe eight, maybe nine. Not running. I don't know how much it would have been worth, how much it was worth. I would say more like six or seven. I owed a little less than ten. So I'm just like, there's no justifiable way that even if I had $4,000, which I didn't, of course, because you're talking about somebody that's still trying to recover from being unemployed. Where do I got $4,000 at? Nowhere. Um, I just could not justify $17,000 going into this used BMW. I bought it used. 
just to let y'all know I ain't balling like that. I bought it, bought it used. And you talking about six to seven thousand dollars more than I owe and even more than it's worth to get it back on the road. So that was a whole debacle. And I'm not I'm going to be honest. You know, I've been very transparent on this show and it's hard, but I have to get out of that feeling that I'm telling my business and more so look at it as as I may be helping someone because I never know who's listening, who might be inspired or hear something that they're dealing with it and they may feel like they can get through it. But when I got the news about my BMW, like I was already in a major depressive low. I had been for a couple of weeks Um, so breaking down in the middle of the road was bad enough. And then spending all of my free money that I had budgeted for travel, you know, like I wasn't even able to go home for Christmas because of this, because I spent so much money on rental cars and all kinds of shit trying to keep myself afloat while I waited to figure out what was going on with this goddamn truck only for it to end up costing me way more money than I could put into the damn thing so when I got that news I just really I had never I won't say never I had not felt that low in quite some time and I honestly contemplated suicide like it wasn't because specifically the issue with the BMW it was just one of those things where it's like I just felt like I could not take on anymore you know what I mean like it was just like dealing with so much my finances are already in the toilet and then I had the issues with the roommates that I had when I first moved here and you know still dealing with so many other things that it was just like I just I can't deal with no more and then here's this but you know shout out to my coworker and my new friend Ashley at work she probably doesn't know this. And if she listens to this, she'll probably be kind of alarmed. Although I guess I've, I have not admitted this to anybody. So I guess everybody hearing that is going to be kind of alarmed, but you know, it's, it's weird that when you're dealing with this kind of stuff, you can make jokes about it after the fact. I know it's not a laughing matter, but it's just one of the, it's the only way I know how to get through it is to make jokes. Um, but she happened upon me, like when I was in the middle of just really, like, I did not get to the point of deciding how I was going to do it or when or anything like that. But I was really stuck on, you know, this might be something that I need to do. And I was at work at the time. Like I'm just sitting there at my desk, kind of like staring off into space. And my coworker slash friend, she happened upon me and asked me about, the truck because she had been abreast of the occurrences and I told her what was going on and I just have to really be very very thankful to be blessed with someone who I we, we don't really know each other that well but when she heard about it I mean she immediately sprung into action and was like I might know somebody that can help you you know like maybe you should just get another car and then deal with you know all this other stuff so she really looked out for me in a time where I was like you know, not knowing what I was going to do to the point where I'm contemplating suicide because I like to think that I have average enough problem solving skills. But when I'm low, that goes out the window. I don't have my logic to rely on like I usually do. 
And so I'm operating on pure emotion and I just can't, I can't think and I can't get things done. I can't deal with things in a normal way, even if they're difficult. So I'm, I was thankful to have somebody kind of <laughs> take over and be like, this is what you need to do. But I will say this it's fuck BMW to the day that I die. They can, that whole company can eat shit and rot and I'll leave it at that. So some of the triumphs, not as long of a list. Like I said, it hasn't been a great decade, but, um, I would consider the move to Seattle a triumph because this is as far as I've ever gotten out of my comfort zone. Like, Packing up and leaving my home city in the course of a month and a half when I wasn't even planning on moving in the first place, like it hadn't even crossed my mind until it did. I consider that a success because at the time I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I was super, super, super sick that last October and then the beginning of these of not December, uh, the beginning of November. I remember I went to Cleveland for Candace and Mike's vow renewal and Bree met me there. And then after that, it was like, okay, I got to buckle down and get everything done. Cause I only got a month before I got to hit the road and drive halfway across the country to Seattle. So I consider this a uh, triumph because it's not something that I thought I could do that I was capable of doing for whatever reason. And I had to talk myself up and be like, you know, people move every day. Be like, what's the problem? What's the issue? But it was hard for me. Um, Let's see. I talked about the travel already that I feel like is an accomplishment. Um, My other big accomplishment and triumph so far is starting the podcast network, Flawless Noises Media Network with Candice. Uh, We started this at the beginning of the year, 2019, and we're still here. We're getting ready to celebrate a year of operation, and we're trying to have a live show to commemorate it. And so I consider this a a win and and a triumph. Um, And the last one that I could think of off the top of my head when I was doing this is just surviving. Like, despite everything that I have dealt with and things that weren't that big of a deal that, you know, depression blew up into a big deal to things that were a big deal that again, have been affecting me for years. I'm still here, still surviving in the words of the late great Aretha Franklin. I am survivor. All right. And so that leads us into things that I'm thankful for. So, Harking it back to my queen, I'm thankful for Beyonce. Specifically, when I say that, I'm thankful for the Lemonade album. That is my favorite Beyonce album because the way my mind works and the shit that I have been dealing with and am currently dealing with, that album resonated with me a lot more than any of her other albums. So that will always be top for me. If you're one of the girls who who prefers self-titled or B-Day, do you, okay? But we're talking about me. And uh, and it's more than just this is the songs that I like or I want to shake my ass. But on a deep emotional and mental level, there were parts of the Lemonade experience that I may not be able to relate to verbatim, but the sentiments behind them, specifically uh, Sandcastle's 
don't hurt yourself. Like those were the two that really just stood out, you know, even daddy lessons to a degree was where was things that they resonated and they touched me in a way that none of her other work did. And that's not to say that I don't go up for self-title or I don't go up for four or I don't go up for B day. But as far as what actually resonated with me, it was lemonade. So I'm thankful for that. I'm very, very thankful for therapy. I'm thankful that I'm back in therapy because it really was difficult to get back into it when my therapist that I had been with for a couple of years and had made so much progress with abruptly quit. Like that was a difficult blow. It took me over a year to get back into therapy because I felt abandoned and I felt betrayed. And it was hard for me because, again, my logical side is like, you know, people have transitions in their life all the time. Like, hell, I'm in the middle of a transition in life. So it's like I can't really be mad at my therapist. But it was like if it had not been so abrupt, it would have been easier. But it was literally like I went to therapy and then two weeks later he was like, I'm closing my practice at the end of the month. And I was like, what the hell? But I am thankful again for therapy. I'm thankful for my new psychiatrist who is a black woman. My therapist is a Latinx man and mood stabilizer so far. You know, we're still in the trial, but I feel confident that we'll get to the right solution for me in 2020. Uh, We may already be on it, but, you know, with uh, mental health medicines it takes some time to get the full benefits, like most like mood stabilizers, antidepressants, things of that nature. They usually take a good four to six weeks, maybe even eight to kick in all the way so you can get the benefits from them or realize whether or not you are going to get benefits from them. So I'm still in that kind of trial time, but I'm thankful nonetheless. I'm thankful for podcasting because it's been very therapeutic. It's been cathartic. It has led to a lot of amazing connections and just having conversations with people that I might, you know, in passing be like, okay, I'm cool with this person on Twitter, but it's different following each other on Twitter or Instagram versus having a full structured conversation about a topic. So I've enjoyed that. Um, Grace and good fortune. You know, I'm thankful for those. Like I, Despite everything that's going on when I'm lucid, like I am now recording this, I can be aware that as painful and difficult as things have been, I've had a level of grace and good fortune. Because, again, you know, I I didn't like lose my car when I was unemployed. You know, I've always had a roof over my head. I've had people looking out for me to the best of their ability. Um, Friends, you know, my family is not really a factor in my life for the most part, but I've had, you know, friends look out for me. I feel good about my current job. You know, my boss, my lead, like they seem like good guys that, you know, recognize value in people. So I'm thankful for that. And like I said, I'm thankful for my family, my friends that have become my family. Um, my friends, my acquaintances, the tried and the true, you know, so to name names, I'm thankful for Nikki. Like she has no, I don't know if I've ever really been able to express in words how thankful I am for Nikki because 
I feel like she came into my life in a time that it was like I felt like I was barely starting to spread my wings as an adult, um, you know, working full time. I had been working for a couple of years and trying to get my life together. And, you know, we came across each other. Shout out to Twitter. And she's been there. And she is that fierce friend that is going to fight for you. If shit goes down, you know what I'm saying? Like if something goes sideways, I know I can call Nikki, you know, like I remember I had an incident at my apartment complex one time and I called her and I was like, please talk me off a ledge because I'm getting ready to go to jail. And she did, you know what I'm saying? Like we have that kind of friendship. So I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for Bree. Bree has been in my corner since what? 2010, maybe, maybe 2011. I don't remember for sure. I don't really do dates. I don't do memory. It really has been shocking that I've been lately or seeing people mention that, you know, dealing with depression for a, a significant amount of time affects memory. And I'm like, well, shit, like I already had a bad memory. And then the depression is taking memories away. Like, God, damn, I can't win. But Bree has been a constant in my life since we, you know, met. Shout out to Cheesecake Factory. I will never be too good for Cheesecake Factory if for no other reason than that was when Bree and I really solidified our friendship. Uh, I'm thankful for Naj. He is one of my sounding boards. Like when I have ideas, I run them by him when I need help with something. And for whatever reason, and a lot of times when I go to Naj, for help it's because usually i'm in the middle of a depressive low and i just cannot think and running stuff by him he just is he he's another one of those people that kind of immediately springs into action like if you say you want xyz he is gonna get with the good sis google or you know mine his his memory banks and his knowledge it'd be like this is what you can do or oh you need this you need some glasses. Look at these. You you want this? Look at this. You know, he's he's helping me put my look together for the live show. Like, I'm just thankful for Naj, um, my friend Dion in Houston, who we have not been as close as I wish we were. But he also has been a constant in my life since, I don't know, maybe 2014, 2015. And he's been one of those friends that's like, I don't always remember that I can depend on him, but when I do, he's always there. And I'm thankful for that. Cause I, you know, it's hard going through life and I'm sure some people can hear this and they can relate, but it's hard going through life and not really having family that you can depend on. You know what I mean? And maybe part of it is my own fault, but it sucks to have holidays go by and you don't, you know, you don't hear from family, you don't feel comfortable reaching out to them or you feel like, you know, they've done things to you that they don't deserve for you to reach out to them. But that leads to some lonely holidays. You know, Christmas for me was lonely and it's it, it's hard for me to even admit that because I don't like feeling that type of vulnerability. But it is what it is. You know, I'm realizing that the only way I'm going to be able to grow is if I do so. You know, I didn't make a big deal about Christmas when people ask, hey, what did you do? I mean, you know, I just I was in bed, you know, it was just a day off. It was just another day. But, you know, that that doesn't make it any less lonely. Me trying to minimize it, I guess. So uh, 
I'm thankful for my friend Monique in Houston. You know, we we haven't really been as connected, but she did come to Seattle and, you know, we chopped it up. I was very happy to see her. You know, I haven't seen a uh, majority of my friends since I moved from Houston or I should say my friends that live in Houston. I haven't seen them. So and that was what made this holiday even more difficult because of the shit with my my BMW that I no longer have that whole situation because I had money put aside to travel home to Houston for Christmas. I was supposed to meet Naj in San Diego. I had to cancel that. Like the only thing I ended up doing was going to, to Denver for Thanksgiving. And I almost canceled that. The only reason I didn't is because Candace was like, you need to get away and just chill. You know, like you got so much shit going on, like the hits keep on coming because she again was abreast of most of the stuff that was going on with me at the time. And so I took her up on it and was like, you know what? You might be right. And it was already paid for. Um, I had not bought my ticket to go home to Houston yet. So, you know, I ended up burning through that money. Anyway, I already talked about all that. Uh, And Brie, you know, like I said, I'm thankful for Brie. Uh, I put Brie on there twice. I must be double thing. You know what? I'm thankful for Brie the person and I'm thankful for Brie the mother for giving me my godson, Jameson, and my goddaughter, Jaden. It's wild to have a goddaughter that's a teenager, but here we are. Um, And my new family, like I, I mentioned Candace and her family, like I, I can't speak enough about feeling so blessed to have a friend that embraces me the way she has and not just her but her family too like her mom embraces me you know her husband mike embraces me you know their daughter and i've struggled with family oh sorry got a little emotional there (laughs) i have um struggle with family for so long to the point where in the past, like I don't even feel comfortable going around my friend's family. Like no matter how much they would invite me or, you know, be like, it's okay. Or I have friends come over for this, that, and the other all the time. I was so messed up from my own family that I didn't feel comfortable being around other people's families. Like I didn't, I did not feel like I, was worthy to be around somebody else's family. Like I didn't want to take my dysfunction around somebody else's family. And so to have friends like her who ride for me the way that she does and, and by extension, her family, you know what I'm saying? Has been such a blessing. It's the same with Bree and her Nana. Uh, it's the same with my friend Juanita and her mom, like, you know, there are friends of mine who I've met their families and they, you know, they ask about me stuff like that, that I just, I don't get in my life. You know, like I said, I don't talk to the majority of my family. Like I talk to my cousin, shout out to my cousin, Kosha. I talk to her pretty frequently and I, I've been talking to my biological father more, but outside of that, like I don't have contact with 
I don't have consistent contact with any of my family. You know, my brother and I, our relationship is trash. You know, it's I've kind of resolved myself to when he decides to make time to have a blood brother because, you know, he has close friendships and he considers them brothers. But I'm just reserved to, you know, when he decides he has time for me, then I guess I'll reply. But I'm not going out of my way to try to salvage this relationship anymore. Like I've, I've been there, done that. Like I put myself on front street and been very, very vulnerable with my brother in a way that I'm usually not. And it didn't really amount to much. So, and I mean, you know, I don't blame him completely because we had a long stretch of not being in each other's lives and we both kind of learned to live without one another. It just sucks. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I don't talk to my mom that often. And when we do talk it, Anyway, um, it's been difficult. So, uh, again, I'm thankful to Candice and Juanita, Bree, Mo, even Nikki. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nikki, her husband has embraced me as a friend. You know, her mom, uh, shout out to Mama Linda, has been someone that I know, you know, looks out for me and prays for me, things of that nature. So, shout out to my new family, um, DeAsia Ali has been a pretty constant since we got cool and exchanged numbers and started talking like my favorite thing with her is just talking about different podcasts that we listen to or other kind of shit shenanigans whole shit like there's a lot going on like you know as much as i i joke around about people she really has been a a good friend and i'm thankful for that um and the last one is John Salvatore from the John effect with his problematic ass. But I did not expect us to start to develop the friendship that we've had. And it's been more than just, you know, podcast shit. Like that's where we met in these podcast streets. But it's been more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like when we have issues, we kind of run stuff by each other. We bounce ideas off of each other all the time. And I'm thankful for that. Like when he randomly hits me up with some foolishness, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm glad to have those type of friendships because it really does. It have to be, I'm trying to, to do my best to be honest and transparent because otherwise there's no point in me doing this episode, but it's been difficult not having a best friend, I guess, you know, um, in my ex co-host, when I walked away from that friendship, I wasn't just walking away from a friendship. I was walking away from my best friend and it's, it's been hard. I'm trying not to get emotional again. But it's been hard, you know, it's hard to just be like, I don't really, I don't have that anymore. I don't have that connection anymore. And I got close friends, you know, everybody that I just listed are, are close friends. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not the same as being like, this is my best friend. You know, I don't, I don't have that anymore. And so I say that to say that. All of the people that I just mentioned and even some that I didn't mention, you know, y'all are on my heart and maybe not in my head because, again, memory is not my forte. But 
I'm thankful for everybody that really considers me a friend and helps to make me feel like I'm not a burden to them or a burden on their lives. And that's where I am with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, these are the things and these are the people that I'm thankful for. So moving into the next decade in the new year, what do I have on my wish list, to do list, agenda, whatever you want to call it on the docket? Dun, dun. Uh, mental and emotional health are big. Like that's like top two and maybe not number two. I want to make some more progress in coping with the parental trauma, the familial trauma. I want to hopefully make some progress and some breakthroughs with this <laughs> existential crisis that I'm currently trying to navigate. And oh, that's another thing. It's hard to go through life when you feel like you don't know what you're here for. You don't know what your purpose is. You don't know what you're good at. You don't remember what you enjoy because, you know, because depression has kind of sucked all of that out of you. You know, you don't remember what brings you joy or you maybe never really discovered it. So that's been something that's been difficult to navigate. Um, and that's why it's on my agenda. That's why it's high up on my list. I want to really get through those things and, and get on the right path. I'm not expecting everything to just be solved in the next year or even maybe even two, but just to make some progress would be nice. And that's my goal. Um, physical health also top two, probably not number two, honestly, because that's, uh, I don't want to say it's more pressing, but there are some immediate concerns with my physical health that I really need to tackle. The good thing is, I mean, obviously you can do, I can do multiple things at one time. So, but my physical health, like I definitely need to figure out a way to kind of combat the emotional eating and the gluttony. I need to hopefully find that energy and that motivation to start working out, which the mood stabilizers have been helping with the physical uh, aspects of the bipolar too, like the not having energy, like my energy levels are starting to rebound. I've only been on the medicine for maybe six weeks, maybe. Um, so I'm getting into that point where I'm feeling like, okay, now we're going to be in, in the real trial area because you know it's usually every few months is when i hit a depressive low so just historically we're probably coming up on the time when i would be hitting one of those lows again so i'm looking forward to seeing how that works but in the meantime like i said i have to do what i have to do for my physical health just for some immediate concerns which obviously left unattended leads to long-term concerns. So that is definitely on my docket for 2020 and beyond, not just 2020, not just for the new year. Cause you know, I got a lot of work to do a lot of weight to lose. And I want to say it's not one of those things where I have a problem with being a bigger guy. Um, you know, I don't know how much effect it has on my dating life, my sex life, because those have never really been popping. And which is one of my fears <laughs> of losing weight that they will start popping. And I'm so used to not having that attention that I won't know how to handle it or it'll make me hella uncomfortable. But I'll cross that bridge when and if I get to it, 
but I really just want to make some progress with my physical health because I'm just my body cannot handle me being a big boy. Like I'm just genetically not programmed to have excess weight. However you want to look at it. You know, I appreciate the people that are like, you're not that big or you carry it well. All of that is is nice, but that is not going to make my blood pressure go down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just have to be honest about it. You know, carrying my weight well is not helping my kidney function or I don't know, my circulatory system or whatever the case may be. So that's something that I have to do, not for vanity reasons, although I'm sure some vanity will be involved, but just for health and survival. Like, it's just something that I have to do. I just cannot ignore it. I can't pretend like, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, you know, it's big people that are perfectly healthy every day. I'm not one of those people. Like, I have to. I have to do what I have to do because the excess weight is having a significant effect on my health. Uh, let's see social. So I've decided that somewhere in the next decade, I don't know when, I don't know where, don't know who, but you know, I'm going to open myself up to more social settings. So that's dating, you know, just generally trying to get out the house more saying yes to social outings. And it's difficult because it's like you don't want to have to explain to every new acquaintance or friend that it's like it's not that I don't want to go to your event. It's not that I don't want to be a part of it or anything like that. It's just like it's hard because when you're dealing with shit, you just you don't want to be around people. When when I'm dealing with depression and all of that kind of stuff, like isolationism is part of my depression. And I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be a spoiled sport. I don't want to be the person that come in sucking the life out of the party because I'm fucking depressed, you know? So I have not said yes to a lot of situations that I'm hoping in the new year and in the new decade with the work that I'm doing and planning on doing mentally that I'll make some progress in this arena as well. Um, I want to travel more. Uh, and again, I just want to discover what brings me joy in this life. Like I just, I don't know how, but I have to figure it out because being dealing with depression and not having anything that you can just rely on and be like, no matter what, this is going to bring me joy. Even if it's temporary, it's hard as hell. You know what I mean? And I genuinely do not remember. Like my therapist asked me, what makes you happy? And I sat there looking crazy and started crying because I don't know. I don't remember. And things that used to bring me joy that I could just plug into and, and be good, like video games and even music, like nothing hits the same. And it's hard as hell because I'm like, I don't know how to figure out what brings me joy. But that's on my docket, my to do list as for the podcast. So. As I mentioned earlier, the three year anniversary of Gay Side Stories is happening in about a month. By the time this is released, the official date is January 31st. I am planning on going on hiatus after the third year anniversary show um, for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because that'll put me squarely at about a month until the live show in Atlanta and I want to be free as much as possible to 
do the last minute details and the planning of that and getting that together. So I'm going to put this on the shelf temporarily until that's done. And there's some other reasons, though. So, um, again, in the same veining of being transparent, I have been struggling with keeping the show afloat. And if you're a faithful listener, you may have realized that in the past couple of months, you know, the shows have not been coming out every week consistently. But I kind of ran through some of the reasons why, you know, with the car situation and and the depression and the physical health. And I had so many doctor's appointments, so many specialists. I had to do a sleep study. I might have sleep apnea. So I'm dealing with that. Like, it's just a lot going on. And so it's it's made scheduling guests not only difficult, but just troublesome, you know, like it's no shade to my guests or anything like that. But when you're dealing with so much, you just don't have the energy to be accommodating and be trying to shuffle your schedule around to accommodate guests and and get guests on the show. So I've just been kind of doing more solo shows and skipping weeks, but I'm contemplating doing a format change of the show. I don't know for sure yet. I'm going to take that hiatus to figure out what I want to do with the show. I'm thinking of switching to a biweekly release schedule just to give myself some breathing room. Um, Because it's not just my podcast. It's the network, too. Like I said, I do all of the editing for everything that happens on Flawless Noises. So every single show that you hear I personally edit. So if you listen to Not So Newlywed, you listen to Mama Me's World, you listen to Crown and Collars, if you listen to Ratchet Ramblings, if you listen to Mystic Moments, if you listen to any of those podcasts, when they come out, I do the editing, I do the scheduling for the show, I do all of the promo on the show accounts, and all of that stuff is time consuming. Um... And that's not including the stuff on the Patreon because it's the same thing with the Patreon shows. Like if you listen to Bring It Bike or if you listen to the Weekly Wind Down, if you listen to Birth Stories of Black Mamas, if you listen to Tarot T2 that just came out this month of December, like any and everything that goes out with the network, 99% of it I have touched personally. And so, you know, it's getting to the point where it's it's difficult to juggle all of that stuff for the network and this show when I've already been struggling with this show. So I think it's time to take a step back and figure out what I want to do. I'm even contemplating um, getting a co-host again. Uh, John mentioned maybe having like a a rotating co-host or co-hosts plural you know so maybe i'll have one co-host one week and another one the next week or the next episode however that i don't know i don't know what i want to do yet but i've come to the point where i need to do something different with this show in order to sustain it but i don't know exactly what that is just yet more to come on that but like i said i still have a few episodes um, so I might put out another three episodes. So I got two episodes that have already been recorded. 
um, that I want to put out. And then I want to put out a show the week of the actual anniversary. And then I'll be on hiatus. So look out for those coming soon. Um, if you have any suggestions or if you want to talk about, you know, different things that you would like to hear or see from this show, please feel free to let me know. Like I said, email me, tweet me, DM me, any of those things. If you have any suggestions or if you, I don't know, hear, heard anything that I'm thinking of and you say, Hey, you know, this might be a good co-host for co-hosts. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to do it yet, but in giving it some thought, I would prefer maybe like a f- trans woman or a lesbian just so that I can get more of that femme point of view. But who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, John has has offered his services so you might hear john on the show more i don't know i i I just i don't know what i'm gonna do yet but i'm on i'm 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 on the path of trying to figure it out so like i said i'm gonna take the hiatus after uh the end of january maybe a month or two to figure out what i want to do and then hopefully i'll be back bigger badder and stronger because my other goal for 2020 and beyond is to figure out how to make the podcast bigger and how to make the podcast network bigger so i want to reach more ears with this podcast you know i'm happy with the amount of listens and listeners that i have but you know i want to reach a few more i ain't saying that i want to be you know, the Joe Budden podcast, which you haven't from me because you make some trash. But, you know, I feel like there's another level of success that I could attain doing this podcast. Who knows? It might put me in a place where I may discover something else that I want to do or somebody else may discover me. And who knows what I might end up doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be dope to be able to do different things, host stuff or shit. Who knows? get on tv you never know you know what i'm saying like you just never really know but my goal is to be open enough that i can embrace whatever happens next you know what i mean so if somebody says hey come do your podcast live at this festival in seattle i can say cool i'm gonna do that and it won't even be something that i think of it's just something that i say yes to you know what i'm saying like i'm trying to have a year and a life of a little more. Yes. Not a year of yes. Cause obviously I'm not saying yes to everything. Cause I got to protect myself, but I'm looking forward to doing more. So I think that I've talked long enough. I have cried. I have chuckled. I have put all my business on front street i've gone through a lot on this episode i hope you guys enjoyed hearing about my raggedy life from the past year and the past decade i'm hoping that in the future when i do this next december i can have a much (laughs) better much more fun episode but this is where we are this is what we're dealing with this is what it is so i'm going to sign off by saying again, I hope you guys enjoy your holidays. I am looking forward to everything that everyone has to offer 
for 2020 and beyond. Yeah, that's all I got. So please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating or review. It helps with whatever Apple Podcast. Whenever they feel like putting some effort into their podcast stuff, it does help. Um, what else? Uh, make sure you're using the hashtag GaySidePod. Uh, make sure you're using the hashtag Pods by QPOC when you are tweeting about the show or anything of that nature. Um, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure that you are sending in any letters or things of that nature. Like I would love to do kind of like a an advice column, but on the podcast. Like as much of a flaming mess as my life is, I typically do give pretty good advice. So I would love to get to a point where people like write in and be like, what should I do about this? Or what do you think about this? Um, so send that stuff over to gaysidestories at gmail.com. If you have any other like compliments or show topic ideas, stories you want to share, anything of that nature, send that all to the email address. Remember that this show, Gay Side Stories, is affiliated and a part of the Flawless Noises Media Network. So go over to FlawlessNoises.com to learn more about the network that is black and female slash LGBTQ run and owned. Owned and operated, I guess is the term. You know, you got your minority. We you know we here for us, by us. It's all good. And I will want to end this by saying I hope that you guys have a prosperous 2020. And like I said before, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to being a part of it and having my own success to talk about and report back. So happy new year. And let's get it.